One Pills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. We made it. We got to Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Pills Live is your show jam-packed. As uh, we sit just two days away, 48 hours from Bills Dolphins Week 4. Clearly the game of the week. If you look at the Week 4 slate, it's not even close. The 3-0 and Dolphins, the 2-1 and Bills for early AFC East supremacy. <laughs> Here we are. And uh, there is already some pretty notable injury news on both sides for the Bills and the Dolphins here. Head coach Sean McDermott earlier today uh, in an interview, his weekly interview on Bills flagship station WGR 550, said that Jordan Poyer has been ruled out for Sunday's game due to the knee soreness he has been experiencing. He has not practiced all week, so he was declared out for the game. And that would presumably pull up Taylor Rapp to the starting lineup. Um, And Taylor Rapp has played in each of the first three games for the Bills. So that will be a change in the defensive lineup that we anticipate. There is a change in the Dolphins' defensive lineup as well. Jalen Phillips is going to miss the game for the Dolphins. He's one of their top pass rushers, actually led the team in sacks last year with eight. He will be down. His replacement is expected to be Emmanuel Agba uh, in their defense. So he's got an oblique muscle strain injury. So he will not play this week against the Bills. So there are other players up in the air uh, for both the Dolphins and the Bills, although head coach Sean McDermott said everybody else on their injury report is trending towards being available to play on Sunday. As for the Dolphins, It's a weekly sojourn with Teron Armstead, their starting left tackle, who's listed with back, ankle, and knee injuries. But he is practicing today, as is starting center Connor Williams. Uh, He's got a groin injury, so we'll see what their status is when the Miami injury report comes out a little bit later. And practice updates presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. So you're kind of brought up to speed. Yesterday, Steve, Reed Ferguson, the team's long snapper, did not practice due to a wrist injury. He is practicing today, so we'll have to keep a wary eye on what his status is for Sunday's game. Yeah, and and tell them who the backup snapper is. Well, we saw it yesterday at practice. It was A.J. Epinesa. Right. So that's the guy that was taking snaps yesterday. So – it's, I don't think there's any way Reed Ferguson's out of this game. No. But it is something to think about if worse comes to worse. There's always a backup for everybody, that even the punter. Um, and we, we've heard the players chit-chat about who's going to be the emergency kicker. Uh, you know, they have tryouts for that. But <clears throat> Jordan Poyer being out, is big. Jalen Phillips for the Dolphins is big for their defense. That guy can go. He's a really good player If for Bills fans who don't know him. Um, so it's starting to get that time of year where it's a hit and miss. Taron Armstead is going to play. I don't think you could keep him out of the lineup. Yeah. He's, he's a warrior. So the big left tackle is going to be in there. Now how effective he'll be and whether he'll be compromised, 
remains to be seen. But he's one of those guys that's going to go no matter what. So no matter right. what you hear out of Miami, let me just tell you, I'll go out on that limb and just say he's going to play. All right, fair enough. Uh, the other important player coming back to the Dolphins lineup this week is Jalen Waddell, who missed last week's game with a concussion. He was in the protocol, and all indications are he is cleared from the concussion protocol, a full participant, so he is expected to suit up and play on Sunday against the Bills. He was not in the lineup last week when the Dolphins hung 70 on the Broncos. So there's that as well to be mindful of going forward here. And I think everybody remembers the long 67-yard touchdown that Waddle had against the Bills last year up here um, last season. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of the lineups for Sunday. We'll quickly go around the NFL, Steve, which is presented by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. And the Thursday night game featured an NFC North matchup between the Lions and the Packers. And the Lions ran away from the pack last night. 34-20 is your final. And Did, did you see the first half of that I game? I did not see a lick of that game. Goodness gracious. The Green Bay Packers looked horrible. I don't know. All around or just on one side? They of the couldn't ball? get a first down. Yeah. They couldn't do anything. The Green Bay the Green Bay fans were were Yeah, that they was, got a, and they were I think home, they got a, right? Yeah, they got a first down I think by penalty or something like it deep into the second quarter. And huge roar of cheers when they did that. At, just out of sarcasm. Yeah. It was it was really bad. Now they came out in the Nothing second like half. Something like a Bronx cheer in Green Bay. Yeah, they right? So they ne- they came out after halftime and the pack did really a lot better, a lot better. But man, oh man, the Green, the Detroit Lions are a pretty good football team. They are a good. Oh, football I got to say that. Um, I was bullish on the Lions. I, I'm. You were still been. skeptical. I still am. My compliments are fragile in nature. Yeah, I get it. But because uh, I don't think they're in a. They're in a bad division. I mean, they're in the with the Bears and and this Packer team that looks looked really bad last night, and Minnesota, who you know the disdain I have for that organization. Why don't you just say you hate the NFC North, Steve? Just make a blanket statement. Just go ahead and do it. I hate the NFC. You really North. don't. I really, you really do. don't like all any team in that division at the, all. The Bears are the in disdain a, and vitriol. The, that the Bears are an atrocity. The Detroit Lions for five decades have been. A parasite. <laughs> the Green Bay Packers were horrible until they got back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks for 25 years. Okay. All right, so you can give them that. And they feasted on a pathetic division. Minnesota, I can't – name a team that is less on the radar nationally than the Minnesota Vikings are consistently. Even Chicago's in the, one of the great cities in America. So the Chicago Bears are like, okay, yeah. Big, we matter you know? because of where we're from. And Green Bay, they're even on the radar more nationally because of the two quarterbacks they've had and that the, and the, the fan, history. And the fans own the team. Right. Even Detroit's bigger on the radar just for being lousy. <laughs> <laughs> the whole division. Yeah. I know. I, I know the disdain that you have. I it do. Is, you wear it on your sleeve. I can't. I can't help. I'll. I'll work on it. I. I apologize to all 
Bears, Lions, and Packers, and Vikings fans out there who are listening. I, I, don't take it personal. It's just me. Uh, the Packers had a bad injury to go along with the loss. Left tackle David Bakhtiari is headed to injured reserve with a knee injury. So that guy's had a lot of t- trouble with injuries the last couple of years. Last couple of years. He's and you been... kind of see that sometimes with veteran players. Once they get up in years, they really have a tough time staying healthy week to week. And they end up missing large portions of the season. And then, you know, usually a decision has to be made. You know, can I keep doing this or is my body telling me I shouldn't? Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of where David Bakhtiari is right now. And that's not going to help a first-year starter in Jordan Love with his left tackle missing, but he's missed so many games the last couple of years. I would like to think that starting to, the Packers will just adjust as they have yeah, several times He's before. been out so long, expectations have shifted. Yeah. So that's, you know. So that's around the NFL, presented by Kaleida Health, the official health care system of the Buffalo Bills. We also want to tell you this week's game against the Dolphins, presented by Oshai Children's Hospital. Oshai Children's Hospital gets kids back to being kids. Donate today. All right, so Steve, we've I know we've talked seven different ways to Sunday about this game coming up, and I believe we're in the same boat in that we think it'll be a back-and-forth affair and pretty close right to the end. Right. So do you feel it's as simple as saying it's going to come down to who has the ball last in terms of determining a winner? How do you – No, I I think the Bills' defense is better than the Miami defense. I would agree. But you can make a – the Miami offense is more explosive than any offense in the league, even including Kansas agree. City. Um. And vice versa, the Bills' offense. The Bills is number two in scoring. I mean, they're not – nobody's sneezing at the Bills' offense either. Right. It's all – you get the feeling that this could be – and I we've talked about – I really don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what the Bills go out there and go, you know what, our defense is going to give us a good chance against these guys. Their defense, we're going to lump them up, let's go. We're going to score with these guys. Yeah. Or do you go out there and you pull back on your offense and say, let's play a little conservative, go the long way – because we know we can run the ball, shorten the game, and don't let Tyreek and Tua and Jalen Waddle let's, let's not let those guys play. Let's just keep them on the sidelines. Right. That's you know that's a strategic decision. I think you kind of got to make before you get into the game, right? Yes, yes. I mean, you can always adjust, but yes, I would agree with that. But you got an offense that you got to have a lot of confidence in. I will tell you, you know, I finally got a chance to watch the Dolphins-Broncos game from last week. And I will say that the Dolphins run the ball more than is advertised. Everybody's enamored with, you know, the big pass plays and the long bombs and the run after catch and all of that. And I understand why. It's, you know, it's highlight real stuff. But they run that ball out of 21 personnel with Alec Ingold as the fullback. And... Look, Denver, to me, has a myriad of problems on the defensive side of the ball at the most fundamental of levels, whether it is gap integrity, tackling ability, communication, whatever it is, they're bad at all of them, or at least they were in this game against the Dolphins. 
So I think the number's a little inflated. I'm not trying to disrespect the Miami offense. It's very good. It's very explosive. It's very yeah. varied. I have a hard time. But I, I told yeah, go ahead. But it's the run game for me with Miami that mm. I don't think enough outside observers are paying attention to. I'm sure the Bills are. But in terms of outside observers, it's all about the highlight reel throws and the run after catch and all of that. This team has a run game, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you and I were talking. I, I, the Miami guy, I, I got to think that Ty, Tyreek and Tua, all those guys over there, Braxton Berrios, they all got to be sitting around on the sidelines on that game last Sunday in the second half going, man, Denver stinks. They just gave – they're just giving up. I mean, the, you can – Denver was so bad defensively. They looked – their body language, their tackling, their level of enthusiasm, they had nothing. Yeah. They had nothing. And it showed. And that's why you get, you know, 35 hung on you in the last – quarter and a half of that game they got 35 points hung on them in in a quarter and a half and another 35 hung on the first two and a half quarters but in the last part of that game Denver just went away and you can hear it too Denver had two quarter, two TDs called back had some penalties called on them that you know whatever they were in that game, and they were moving the football offensively, and they had some stuff going on they, before Russell they sabotaged. Wilson threw for 300 yards. They sabotaged themselves, the, did the Denver Broncos. But defensively, I don't think there's an excuse you can give. And I think as good, much as you can say good things about Miami's offense, even the Miami offense will tell you, man, Denver was awful that day. Yeah. Awful. There, I don't know if you saw the social media image that was out there on Monday. There was a social media image of one of the Dolphins, I can't even remember who, going into the end zone to score. And in the foreground of the image, there were eight Broncos players, and every single one of them was on the ground. Yeah. Like like somebody dropped a bomb in the middle of the field and flattened them all. Like, right. It looked like... What is going... I've never seen that. Yeah. It, it was a picture like none other. And, you know, they... So, yeah... The Dolphins have got – listen, when you get a game like that, you got to enjoy it, man, because they don't come along very often. This, the last time something like this happened was, um, what, 73 years ago? So, 1950. Um, 60, it just 1966 was the last time that many points were scored. Is that what you were saying? 55. Yeah. Yeah, 55 years ago. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Uh, so, you take those when they, can, when you, when they come. But – it was it was one thing after another, uh, and the Dolphins just kept going, and the it became really obvious in the fourth quarter, even at the beginning of the fourth quarter of that game, that uh, Denver wanted to go home. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, I mean, obviously you're embarrassed. You have seventy scored on you, but I think the tape is even more embarrassing than the final score. Yeah, you know, you hear players have said it for decades. The tape doesn't lie; it doesn't. I mean, those guys—they laid down. Yeah, it, it was really bad. I've told you this before, Brownie. It's what happened in—you know—you look at all the games where teams have come back. Even the the famous thirty-five to three, the wild card game with Buffalo here against the Houston Oilers. 
the one team when when a team turns it off when they think the game is over one way or the other the other team almost immediately starts to look like world beaters no matter how bad the score is uh in that 35 to 3 game the Oilers turned it off they were trying to get to the next round of the playoffs healthy and they sh- it showed we just boom boom but we scored three quick touchdowns yeah. in like 3 minutes and then it, they struggled to turn it back on um you saw the same thing in Super Bowl forty, Super Bowl forty two, I think, in New Orleans when the lights went out, and it was the Niners and the Ravens, and the Ravens were lumping the Niners up, yeah, lumping them up, and it was just after halftime when the lights went out and they stopped, and they're, and they're looking up there, they got like a twenty six point lead, and the Ravens just said, let's just get out of here, man, we're going to be world champions, and the Niners got back into it fast because the Ravens kind of shut it down. It took a it took a kick return to keep the lead for the Ravens, and finally, ultimately, it took a two point conversion denial to win the game. I mean, it was a it, that's how it happens. One team decides the game is over, wants it to be over, and it shows. And it doesn't take long at this level for that other team to turn it around and go bang, 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 and you're scoring multiple touchdowns in a very short amount of time. That's what happened in the fourth quarter of this game. They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter when they were up 43. Yeah. They were up 41. They had 41 points, and they scored another (laughs) – what is that? How many – what is that, 29? It's not reflecting very favorably on the Broncos. It's not, com- favor- it's not reflecting favorably on my math skills either. I can't remember. But they, they scored three times in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Touchdowns. At, with backups. With just got with running the ball. Yeah. When you turn it off in this level, it shows in a heartbeat. And that's what happened in that second half of that Broncos game. They just gave up. Steve, I also regret to inform you in another sport – that uh, the Ryder Cup has continued to be an abomination for the Americans. Oh, no. This is the first time the United States has not won a single match in a day at the Ryder Cup. Wow. I, I do distinctly remember you asking me if I was going to stay up late to watch that last night, and I said, not on your life. And apparently that was a wise decision. You were ahead of the, head of the curve. Yeah, I'm – what are you going to do? You know? <laughs> I mean – why, and I, I know I asked you this when we were in the office, I think it still holds. Why is it that the American golf team in the Ryder Cup-type tournaments never seems to live up to their potential? Like nobody, like on a team of what is it, 10 or 12? Like two guys play up to their potential and the rest struggle. Well, I mean, I remember Justin Leonard in the big putt to win – Several, several years ago. Yeah. Is that the last time they've won, or have they won since then? They haven't won in 30 years over there. Over there. They've won. Looks like that's going to continue. On a regular basis or a more regular basis over here, obviously. So, uh, but yeah, the Euros absolutely handed it to them. Not looking like a good weekend for those guys. No, and and of course, whenever you get it, and I don't know why that is. Golf has always been known in this country as a as a, an individual sport. And because of that, the team aspect of it, we seem to be lacking in. Uh, these guys go over there, and I'll, and I'll say this too, you got the, the, 
they're a little bit like pro tennis players and uh, pro golfers um, and other. Let's see, there's there's another sport like track and field athletes, elite track and field athletes. They have a team of people who support them mm-hmm. and, and go. You know, they got a they got a, a strength conditioning person, they got a medical person, they got a, a a psychologist person. They got you know what I mean. They got all that. They got a coach. Um, so all these people are kind of their team that helps this person perform at the highest level. But when they go to this Ryder Cup, I don't know that any of that takes place. And the Ryder Cup guy and these guys are all out of their element, not only on the course when they're playing different format other than metal play, which is stroke play. They're also out of their element with their support crew, you know. So because of that, they seem uncomfortable. Okay. They, they seem like they're theory. they seem seem like they're distracted. A lot of sorts. Yeah. I, okay. They just seem uh, like it's not. You know, it's it's six and a half to one, six and a half euros to one and a half American. We had three halves, I think. Yeah. Ooh. Ah, good. All right. Um, we should remind you that it is Friday, which means the following things will be taking place. The OBL Fan Friday mailbag is open for any of your questions. So if you want to hit us up. At One Bills Live on Twitter with a question, or you want to give us a call, 803-0550-1888-550-2550. With a question about the Bills, the league at large, the AFC conference race, and the early goings on there, whatever it might be, anything football under the sun, you can ask us there, 803-0550-1888-550-2550. We have open lines for you. We also have Tailgate Friday where we need to know what's on the menu at the tailgates on Sunday. So if you have something unique or a recipe you are super proud of, let us know what it is. We'd love to read it on the air, share it with everybody else. Give some other people some new ideas for their tailgating traditions. Yeah, we're getting a lot of feedback on the recipes this week. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'll hungry just thinking about it. Even for all the years that through the Bills drought and through Miami after Dan Marino and the, the stuff they went through, that the Miami rivalry brings back something for an entire maybe two or three generations of Bills fans for the animosity and the, the implications of the game. Plus, now that these two teams are where they're at, um, this game's got, gotten really juicy for Bills fans. And you can t- we can tell on our feedback. I, we got like t- – we won't be able to read all these for the for the recipes for the you know all the stuff that's been thrown at us. This the Miami games are different. They are all. I'm a transplant here, although I've been here 36 or 37 years in town and been a local for that long. All the guys that I know now that are lifers here that grew up here, mm-hmm. they don't they don't make any bones about it. It's they hate they the, the Miami game is the game. It's the game. Yeah. Now they've. Now and it we, might be the game again now. It might be for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the Jets aren't anticipated to do much this year without Rodgers. And the Patriots don't look like they've got enough duct tape to put it all together up there in New England to really challenge. So it's kind of Buffalo and Miami here. And. That's going to only get more traction, I think, as the season wears on. But let's go to the phones at 803-0550, We lead off with Carol in Tonawanda today. What do you got for us, Carol? Yeah, thanks, guys. You know, after watching the game again between Miami and the Broncos, 
If the Broncos could stand and throw the ball from the pocket and run the ball, I'm certainly sure that the Bills will be able to do that. One thing that I hope that they do is rush a linebacker on the pass rush, meaning Matt Milano, and part the seas and let him go up and uh, tackle Tua. If you remember last year, he was the one that took Tua out of the game uh, first last year. And um, even if he doesn't get him, maybe he'll give Tua some PTSD knowing that he's coming after him. So thanks, guys. Bye. Okay, yep. thanks for the call. Appreciate yeah, Carol that. Carol got some confidence in the Bills offense for sure, and why shouldn't you? I mean, they're just behind the, the uh, Dolphins in scoring. The, you know, the Dolphins and the Broncos hang. had all these big chunk plays last week. And the, Dol- and the Broncos did play well offensively, uh, albeit they had some break where they had two touchdowns called back. On penalties, On yeah. penalties. So there is reason to think the Bills are going to be able to play some offense against the Miami Dolphins, particularly with Jalen Phillips out of the lineup. Um, on the other one, yeah, the – yeah, you got to get Tua to stand in there and and get a pass rush at him. That's always a plus. That's always the plan against every quarterback, young, old, good, bad. Get after him. Um, so if the and, and as, if the Bills can do that, they're going to be really successful. And for all the plays where they don't do that, the Dolphins are going to stress you big time. I did notice there were at least a handful of times where Tua had easily three seconds, maybe even a little bit more, to throw with a clean pocket. You know, I, I, I know the Bills' defensive front is better than that of the Broncos, so I would anticipate he's not going to have as clean a pocket on some of those deeper routed throws. So you get him in third and long, you know, the routes have to take a, bit, a little bit longer to develop. Maybe those are the downs where you can get home with something exotic or creative. Let's go back to the phones, though, and to Chris in Brooklyn next. Chris, what do you got for us here on One Bills Live? Hey, guys, how are you? Just two quick questions. Um, one, I want to get your thoughts on the likelihood that Kyer Elam starts tomorrow. He's the best, I think, man coverage DB we have. I know he's fourth on the depth chart, but I don't know that the gap between uh, Benford, Jackson, and Elam is so great that the difference between two and four on the Bills' depth chart is all that meaningful. Mm-hmm. And the other question is, what do you guys think about the Bills potentially being more aggressive on fourth down during this game, uh, just to, if, if no other reason than to keep the Dolphins' offense off the field? Interested to hear your thoughts. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a proponent of playing Kyrie Elam. I would agree with you. I think he is the best man cover corner on the roster. But knowing how well this defense has played so far, I can't see them changing it because it's been a very effective group. The statistics alone will tell you that. And, you know, this is only the fourth game of the season, and I think knowing that Jordan Poyer is already out of the mix, I don't think they feel like they want to change too much beyond that, because you already have one new person you're dropping into that secondary where communication has to be on point and all that stuff. To change somebody else, I think, might be asking too much in terms of something to expect uh your thoughts steve why don't you take the fourth down question about being more yeah, aggressive I mean, on fourth down I, I don't know that i think they'll play use whatever protocols they have the process they have for picking whether to go forward on fourth down or not i'm and i'm sure there'll be a, a little bit of a feel factor as well if if they're running the ball if their offense is moving and it was themselves who kind of tripped up and gave them the third or the fourth down and it wasn't the miami defense who was you know is stout 
yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they get into that situation, they'd do it. Uh, I'm with Browning. I, I don't think they're going to make any substantive substantive changes to their defensive lineup because it's the Dolphins. I think you got to trust your guys, and I think when you start doing that as a coach and leadership. The locker room's going. Well, wait a minute. I mean, what are we doing here? What, you know, we got guys who've been playing. We're playing really good football. We're leading the league in sacks, leading the league in interceptions, and you're going to start tinkering with it because you th- whatever. Um, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, if Kyrie is good enough to play, play him. If he's not, the opponent doesn't change that. Yeah. And then with fourth down, what we've seen anyway is Coach McDermott usually subscribes to the following things. Live win probability analytics, which he uses people upstairs to give him that information in real time, and the recognition of the flow of the game and the time and score. I think he tries to factor everything into that equation. He's not married to analytics only. He weighs it in as a layer in his decision-making, um, but also take keeps in mind, like, has our defense been able to stop their offense? You know, so maybe if it's 49, go for it, 51%, no, go for it. But my defense can't stop people. I'm probably going to go for it there because the, right. it's, it's even enough where I'm going to say, let's try to get this to hold on to the football and help our defense a little bit. That's kind of how he has handled those types of things. Uh, we have to take a break, but we also need to tell you, former Bills QB, Drew Bledsoe is this week's legend of the game. When the Bills host the Dolphins' giant matchup at Highmark Stadium, the legend of the game is presented by the BFLO Store, the official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. Break time here, but we've got plenty more coming your way. We will take your phone calls, but we also have sound bits and, excuse me, Mr. Tasker, what story will be told today? We'll find out when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Time now for Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker, presented by Total Sports Enterprises, an official sports memorabilia partner of the Buffalo Bills. We solicited fans to submit their questions or their requests for a story from Wall of Famer Steve Tasker. We know he has plenty of them. Winners selected at random will receive a premium mystery box of signed items. This could be a Bruce Smith signed photo or a Stefan Diggs signed jersey or even a signed Jim Kelly replica helmet. Rules do apply. Visit buffalobills.com slash T-S-E Tasker. And this week's question, Steve, comes from Harold Fuller, who says, Steve, can you tell us about the iconic photo of you and your son after Super Bowl twenty-six and what that moment meant to you? Um, that Yeah, I, that photo was everywhere because we got our heads caved in in that Super Bowl and and I was sitting there what had happened was this is 26 so we had played in Super Bowl 25 the year before and been disappointed as as well as we all know um, and in the preseason of the next year this 91 regular season 92 Super Bowl we we played the Giants again and I remember in the preseason my wife brought Deke, I think he's my only, he was our only child, or maybe we had a daughter, maybe Annie was born. I guess she was around, but she wasn't there. But we had this thing where I'd point to my eye and then hug my chest and then point at him. It meant, I love you. Yeah. So we would do that. He, she brought him down to the front row of the stadium. This was the preseason of that Super Bowl year. And I did that to him, but he had watched me play. And 
when I was unaware of him watching, you know what I mean? I'm out there playing and I was at game face on and I was serious and it was for key, you know, I was playing professional football, right? Right, right. So after I did that, my wife, Sarah, leaned down and she goes, did you see what he did? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, you know what that means? He goes, yeah, it means I love you. And then he looked at it and he goes, daddy doesn't love me when he's playing football. <laughs> Right, <laughs> because it's the only time he ever saw me. Because I was, you know, so she told me that, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of bad," you know. I got to tell, you know. So after this, after all that, the season was over, and I pulled him out of the stands, and you know, it couldn't have been a worse time. So I sat him down, and you know, said, "Hey, listen, I love you even when I'm playing football," you know. Yeah. And uh, somebody caught that, and that picture was it. It was all over. And uh, he and I, then there's another picture too of uh, him and I walking up the tunnel together. But uh, yeah, you're holding hands, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. But uh, that was why I brought him out of the stands because he had said, you know, I, I don't think dad loves, you know, basically, dad doesn't love me when he's playing football. So I kind of had to make know, good. I had to like, like, ooh, that, I don't want to be in that boat, right? So yeah, that, that'll hit you. I had to try and talk him back into it, you know. So that's where that picture came from, and that's why he was on the field. Because I can't I believe to how red point. his hair is. Well, I, I think that was the photo. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was the photo. Not, that, my, he, not yeah. that he has any on top of his head he like He shaves his head with the beard now, yeah. right? So he's one of those dudes. So, yeah, his hair was never red. <laughs> I was like, wow. that look. Yeah, I, know, that's pit, I know kids' hair can get darker as yeah. they get older, but that was like, wow. That's the story. His hair's, his hair's black. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Um, but that's the story behind that photo. And that fo- really, that photo, that may be the most widely circulated photo of my entire life. Um, it, was, it, it was big because, you know, it was a big story that we didn't play well in that game and the Redskins won it and we were two straight Super Bowls and people thought, well, that's going to be it for that team kind of thing. And so, yeah, that, yeah, there you go. That's the story. That's a good one. I like that one. Uh, Good addition of excuse me, Mr. Tasker. It is time now though. And we'll get to your phone calls in just a second. Got to get to sound bits though, presented by Tim Hortons in this week's edition, head coach, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and others discuss their preparation for a high powered, Miami Dolphins offense on Sunday. They are um, a catalyst to us playing good defense, right? We have to have that every week uh, at at the point of attack in the run game and then also affecting the pass game. Um, The challenge this week is the ball comes out so fast. So we've got to find um, somehow some way to, I mean, I think he's two has been sacked one time, I think all year from, from not mistaken. So it's, it's very impressive. They have so many weapons. They got a hell of an OC as well, drawing it up, and they got a quarterback that's playing extremely well. So, um, like you said, they put up seventy on the team this week. So, um, we're gonna be ready to go. I mean, that that was crazy. I mean, seventy's a lot of points. When I saw that, I was like, "Wow, that's must be a typo." But um, obviously, very impressive by them. You know, whenever you see a team put up seventy points, you know, you kind of want to figure out how they did it. Um, so, you know, the first opportunity I had, I went and you know watched the tape and you know saw saw kind of what they were doing and you know how they, how they were getting the guys uh, the ball and how they were scoring and stuff. So, I think uh, the five fastest times came off of that one team or something like that. I know Tyreek Hill was on there like three times, but the running backs, they could run too. So it's- We've been playing some real solid ball on defense, but, I mean, every week at the same time is a new week, so we got to be able to hit that reset button uh, this week and just kind of just restart and build everything back up from the ground and get ready for get ready for Miami because they got a real nice offense. In-division rivalry, um, you always want to win your in-division games. I know it means a lot for the fans and 
their fans, our fans, it, whatever it means for standings, this and that. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's week four. Um, they all mean the same for us. You know, it's the biggest one that we have in our schedule because it's the next one, and you know, it's a team that's playing extremely well. Um, we understand that their their defense is playing at a high level as well too. So the goal each week, for, no matter what team we go against, is to score on every single drive and be the best offense we can be. I mean, we don't really go against them. You know what I'm saying, as a, as an offense, you kind of just got to focus on farming your own land and scoring your own points. You know what I'm saying, because we can't go out there and check nobody. You know what I'm saying, we got a. Uh, we got our defense, you know I'm saying? we got our guys, we got 100% confidence in our guys, get some juice rolling in, in there, you know what I'm saying? And, and OP, it's going to be a lot of fun. I feel like guys are going to be flying around. Uh, they got a great offense, you know what I'm they're playing extremely well, so only thing we can do is score points, which, which is what we're going to have to do anyway. So. They're explosive. Anybody that touches the ball can score. What you think is going to be a two-yard run turns into a, a crease and a, and a gasher. Um, same thing with the, with the passing game. So Coach McDonough does a great job of moving guys around, creating different styles of offense. It's uh, it's a handful. If he throws the ball quick, I do my best at trying to get after him. But, I mean, you only can affect him if you got the ball in his hand by at least getting your hands up if he is throwing it quick. Getting your hands up and tipping passes up. In some games it might be uh, like sacks, like last week, just getting after somebody, a quarterback that holds the ball for a longer period of time or likes to push the ball down the field more. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you just got to find a way to do it, win your one-on-ones, and affect the quarterback in whichever way possible. And at the end of the day, we're, we're just trying to win a football game, you know, if it's by putting up 40 or putting up four. You know, we're, we're just trying to go out there and, and play complimentary football, um, you know, and, and do what we need to do to win a game. All right, that is Sound Bits, presented by Tim Hortons. Let's get back to the phones here on an OBL Fan Friday mailbag. And next up is Ellen in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Ellen? Hi. I just think that the Bills' offense has been really, really stellar, and I think we're going to see new plays coming out this game just because of the opponent being a little bit more advanced in the last couple of games. I think we need to be a little more positive, and what Ken Dorsey and all the other assistant coaches have probably been scheming this week. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll listen to that, Steve. I mean, it, there is some some validity to coordinators keeping some things in the bag for division games, right? Yeah, I, and I think also you pull them out in games, and I, and I don't, you know, the, the Dolphins pulled out a couple of shovel passes, some new stuff last week against the right. Broncos, uh, and there's a couple of times you can use those whenever you want, but I think the Bills. Um, Week one, you don't feel like you're going to do that, right? So the Bills go in, they stink it up against the Jets, and then they kind of jump out on on the Raiders and they jump out on uh, the Commanders. So there's really no need to pull those out of the bag. Yep. Uh, but in a game where you're winning handily, also some guys will pull those out just to get them on film. So if they don't work, it's not going to hurt you. Um, but you're right. It's always fun, and I think fans get caught up in it sometimes a little too much where they're thinking, man, I want to see one of those – plays that is different you know like the shovel pass the Dolphins ran a couple of times against the Broncos or you know the Chiefs run down in the red zone all the time or you want to see a double reverse or a double pass that kind of thing Um, it's all well and good but it really you really have to know that this is an offense and even and they're all Dolphins are like this too you don't need to do anything that special I mean the Dolphins have this a little some revolutionary stuff they're doing I don't know that you need to really be that creative. But, yeah, it's always fun to pull something out or to hold an aspect of your offense in reserve 
until you can spring it on a team and get something out of it. And then you can exploit it time and time again. I'll give you an example. Dolphins going up to New England, and they want to, or they're in against New England at home, and this is, this is when you know, they're struggling, and they're trying to come up with some offensive answers, and they come up with the Wildcat. Yep. They used it five, and it worked to perfection because it, it changed the math. And it was out of the – nobody had done it. And it changed the math, and they beat the Patriots with it. Yeah. Now everybody used – for a minute, everybody used it. Yeah. For like a whole year and a half, two right. years. So um, this quick motion that the Dolphins use and stuff, and I'm sure the Bills will have some stuff under there. You're right. I, I, I'm, I love seeing creative play calling. But also – both these teams have got horses under the hood where they've probably got a lot of faith in what they do on a down-to-down basis anyway. There's got to be a reason you use a trick play. Right. We have to take a break here. More of your phone calls when we come back. And the lunch break presented by Snapdragon. We'll explain in a second here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, as you know, our show is from 1 to 3 p.m., and usually it's around lunchtime. So we've got the lunch break presented by Snapdragon Apples, the official apple of the Buffalo Bills. Steve and I, as resident foodies, enjoy this segment. Today we have a ham, brie, and Snapdragon apple sandwich, which is served on garlic Tuscan bread from Wegmans. Thanks to the Wegmans people for also preparing this Lunch break. Check it out. Stuff man. looks fantastic. Good Have you ever had this garlic Tuscan bread? Oh my gosh! Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Like it's really mouth-watering good. bread. It's we really have it with our our Italian food all the time at home when my wife's whipping up pasta and meatballs and all that kind of stuff. It's great with that. But Snapdragon apples, as we know, an epic, sweet, snappy flavor, monster crunch, and incredible juiciness. Great sandwich. For a crisp fall day, this might be a good idea for tailgating tomorrow people or Sunday people. All the ingredients for this sandwich can be found at your local Wegmans. The recipe can be found on Wegmans.com if you search Snapdragon Apples in the recipes section. Full of natural energizing sugars, Steve, to fuel any adventure like a Buffalo Bills tailgate. Are Snap- apples still the – well, no, maybe oranges are. The only crop that is now still hand – I mean, because they have machines for all of this stuff, right? They still handpick all the apples, don't you they? You come from a farming family, not me. I so do. I would like to think you would have the answer on yeah, that. Why I mean, are you like, looking to me for that? I don't know. I just thought maybe you'd know. I just, they're, they're handpicked yeah, all they, across New York State. Yeah, Let's go! Right now, yeah. They're going to be available – this is important, Steve. They're going to be available at your local Wegman starting this week. I was actually in – a local Wegmans, and there was a woman behind me. She was pulling, like, aside one of the employees there, and she's like, well, are the Snapdragon apples in yet? And the lady's like, not yet, but soon. Well, now here's your answer. They're going to be right. in starting this They're coming week. They're being picked as we speak. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so you can go to shop.wegmans.com slash recipes dash 3283 for this specific recipe. I want to, like, dive into this thing right now. I know um, I see a little mustard on there. And I got to admit, Steve, like, I never thought of brie as oh, a yeah. sandwich cheese. Right. But I'm 
I, my interest is peaked here. Now yeah, that I'm kind of ready to give that a shot too. I'm, and you know, we know that pig is your favorite meat on the planet, so <laughs> ham is going to be right up your alley. Pig is the on the top of the food pyramid. Yeah, for you, it is. Right. Yes, the meat, specifically bacon, but it, it's all pork is up there, and then it's cow, and then it's everything else. Okay, I might flip those top two, but well, listen, I do like ham. I've eaten I've eaten more cow than pig in my no. Day. But the reason I'm interested in this is because what what have you had? With ham on a sandwich since you were like three. Cheese. Swiss cheese, though, yeah. right? Oh, I yeah. really want to try this yeah. breed. I've to tried see a lot of cheese. How much though. it changes the game. I mean, it's intriguing yeah. to me. It's a, for me, uh, yeah, I don't, we can go on and on about this, but to, for me, I like different cheeses for like as much as for the textures I do for the. Well, the, uh, and that's why the taste. Snapdragon apples on this sandwich are so important because right. they're providing the texture. Yeah, exactly. Cheese, you got a soft cheese on there, right. you got deli meat. And it's the it's the apples that make yeah. the difference in that's terms right. of the texture. So yeah, I'm, that's what I we're going to dive into. So this. in this, would they, you they've could, asked us, Steve, not to like gorge ourselves while right. we're on the air because it's kind of difficult for <laughs> we'll us come, to we'll describe be, to you exactly what we're talking about when we got yeah. a mouthful of food. We'll be, um, but do you consider the apples? Not that it's important. Are they a condiment on this? They are not a condiment. That They're would be an, the mustard. Yeah, but the mustard is the condiment. One. You know, mustard and mayo. No, I think it's a layer. It's got to be a. It's a layer on the ingredient. I know, but because here's the thing: like a lot of times, people look to put texture in their sandwiches, and some people go the veggie route. I think this is a sweeter way to go. Like if you're not a huge veggie person, and you kind of lean towards the fruit side of the healthy food spectrum yeah. we snapdragon apples we is where you want to go we, because these, we got like we have like what was it like we have eight of these sandwiches sitting in front we can't talk about anything else we're looking my mouth is watering sandwiches. already that's why everybody's going what are they talking about yeah so we've got got that yeah we'll share them with the crew here because uh we'll share one the crew can have one of these sandwiches to share that's right <laughs> um but yeah i'll be scarfing one of these down in no time and I got to tell you, like, I'm excited about this garlic Tuscan bread, too, because I have not, I don't know why I never thought of it, but to use it as sandwich bread. Great idea. It is a great idea. So I am uh, right. I am ready to roll. Who's can, coming up at the top of the hour? Can we break early? <laughs> That's right. Let's go. Uh, I know we do have phone callers waiting, but we do have to take a break here. Um, we've got Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, coming your way in hour number two. So we look forward to talking to him, get his thoughts about this matchup, which I almost undoubtedly believe will be featured on ESPN's NFL matchup show. But that's the lunch break presented to you by Snapdragon Apples, the official apple of the Buffalo Bills. We'll take a break. Be back with Greg Cosell next. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, it's hour number two on a Friday. That can mean only one thing. Senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, also co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show, where this very game, Bills-Dolphins, will be featured in great detail. Greg, how are we doing? You ready to roll into weekend of week four? 
game on the schedule in your uh, in your hometown here. Yeah, and uh, just so everybody knows, Greg's segment brought to you by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. And I guess we need to begin with the team that put up 70 last week, Greg. You know, Steve and I had a chance to watch that game back, and there were cavernous holes in the Denver defense (laughs) for stretches. There were times where even after the snap for two seconds, you had defensive players standing still like they weren't even moving. It's like they were frozen. I, I don't. I don't know how you get to that place. I know there's a lot of eye candy pre-snap with this Dolphins offense, but to absolutely freeze and do nothing, that's like the worst possible thing you can do against that team. Yeah, and I think when you don't play them and have a background in what they do, uh, it becomes harder. Obviously, the Bills uh, know this offense reasonably well. They did play the Dolphins three times last year. So they have a much better feel for how to go about defending it. Uh, I think there's a lot to unpack here. So let's kind of walk through it a little bit. But I will say that I think the loss of Jordan Poyer is big. Because I think safeties are really, really important when you play against the Dolphins. Um, You actually saw that in the first matchup a year ago when I believe they were playing with two backup safeties. Isn't that correct, Brownie? In the first matchup last year? They were missing five starters on defense. Yeah, I think it was Johnson and Hamlin who were playing on the back Correct. end in that game. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but any, as I said, let's unpack it a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I've had some conversations with people. I've given this a lot of thought. You know, I, I, you guys know I think about this stuff a lot, but I also try to learn from people smarter than I am. You know, um, you, you use the correct term, Brownie, eye candy. So what happens is because of all their motions – it kind of sh- shrinks your defensive menu a little bit. You can't get to all the calls that you want to get to because there are so many motions. Um, you know, and I think that ultimately, because they play so much out of 21 personnel, um, this is not really a big issue for the Bills per se because they're a nickel defense overall anyway. But you almost have to treat 21 like 11 because of the way they use Ingold. He's a motion player. He moves around. He's split. He's flexed. He's, you know, he's very often detached. He's, he's almost like an, just another tight end. You know, uh, he, he's, he's not really a fullback in a strict sense. Um, so then what has to happen? It's hard to play single high safety against this team because Hill and Waddle are really, really difficult to play outside the numbers especially if they're in motion getting free access off the ball. So you need to play a lot of split safety. So then what? So the couple of things have to happen. Your linebackers have to be really good in the run game because you're not going to get a ton of safety help if you play split safety. Um, We know that it's timing and rhythm-based, that Tua hits his back foot, the ball comes out. That's the way they want to play. That's the way they're built. So you have to be able to take away that first window. But then if you do take away that first window and you're playing split safety, what has to happen next? You then have to be able to pressure with four because you're not going to blitz a lot here because you're going to leave yourself too vulnerable. Now, there'll be selective pressures, obviously, but that's not going to be foundationally what you do. So you have to then be able to exert some kind of pressure on Tua with four if you take away that first window throw. 
That's right. We've been talking about that kind of thing all week. That if two, it's okay if Tua pats the ball, but if he if he pat, taps it twice, it takes too long. I mean, you've got to get there consistently because the one time you don't, if he pats the ball three times and then releases it, a double move route on the outside with with that kind of speed, and it's a touchdown. I mean, that's all there is to yeah. it. If you don't get him right away the field becomes too big for the DBs to cover every inch of it, and the Dolphins can get there. Yeah, and, and I mean, just look at the Hill touchdown, which I'm sure you looked at, as you said, Brownie, numerous times. The touchdown on, I believe, the second or third play of the game. Yep. Right. That was a classic case where the Broncos took away the first window, or or let's put it this way, Tua didn't feel comfortable throwing it into the first window. It looked like it might have been there, but we don't know what's in his head. And then Hill just adjusted his route and kept running and got behind the quarter safety uh, who who theoretically was the player that took away the first window. And he just sat in a clean pocket with no one around him and then hit Hill behind the quarter safety. It probably looked to most people as if it was a coverage bust, but it really wasn't. And it's just that their four man pass rush literally gained not a yard to get close to him. So you have to be able to at least squeeze the pocket with your four-man D-line pressure. Right. And the Bills employed a similar approach to what you're describing back in 2021, and it worked. Now, granted, Tua is a much different quarterback now than he was two years ago, but A.J. Epinesa knocked him in his ear hole, and he got knocked out of the game in the first quarter. Right. And the Bills won 35 nothing. Um I don't know. I they also didn't have Hill then. That is true. That is true. So I, yeah. You know, do they go back to that? Elements of that? Who knows? Um, I will say that I think Buffalo's pass rush looks much improved from what we've seen in recent seasons with rushing four. Now that's not yep. the only reason that they now have twelve sacks on the season and are tied for second in the league, but. They're also affecting the quarterback even when they're not getting him on the ground. Ed Oliver's playing out of his mind. I think he's generated pressure. Yeah, he's generated pressure on an NFL best 27% of his pass rushes this season. That is a sharp spike in his type of production. So, yeah, I think there will be some simulated pressures, as you suggested, Greg. Um, the question is, if you know that most of the time – you're not going to get there. What do you right. think of the idea of kicking Greg Rousseau inside and using his length as a deterrent to keep Tua from throwing over the middle and at least taking an inside passing window away? Yeah, I was thinking about that as well, Brownie. Theoretically, you could do that with with Rousseau and Epinesa at times, who's also a tall player. Um, something to consider for sure. Uh because you, as you said, you know, no matter how well you play on the back end, you're not going to take away the first window, you know, 80% of the time. That, right. That's not going to happen. Um, you know, I, I think so much of, of when you play against this team comes down to studying what they do and understanding tendencies. And believe me, I, I can't speak to that because uh, the Bills will have five guys who are, who are studying just that in major detail. You know, guys who are going to work 22 hours a day for three days just to figure out all that stuff. Um, you know, trying to get a feel for exactly what happens off this motion, what ho- happens off that motion, what happens based on splits, so that they'll have a really good feel and that 
back-end players and linebackers as well will understand that, hey, here's Hill now. When he's here, he's going to run these two routes. Hey, when he goes into this motion, he's going to do this. You know, that's what teams do. And they str- you, you have to have such a really good feel for that because obviously it happens so, so fast. The other thing with the Dolphins, because of the speed of the receivers, is their quick game rhythmic throws end up being two to four yards further down the field than most teams because of the speed of their receivers. So when you think of, let's say, three-step drop timing and a ball being caught at, you know, a certain yardage, you know, usually if it's a slant-type route, you might be, what, in the seven, eight-yard range. They're catching those kinds of passes in the 11, 12-yard range because of the speed of the receivers. Right, right. So it does – they force you to adjust. There's no question about it. How much – and I, and I guess the, one of the reasons this game pops of uh, around the country is because the Bills are number two offense in the National Football League. Yeah. The Dolphins obviously are number one after the week they had. But the 70 points they put up last weekend was historic. And sure. I guess we can start back where we started the segment. How much are the Broncos culpable in that 70 points? Oh, sure they are. I mean, you know, I, I – I, when a game like that happens, it gets it snowballs and it gets out of hand. You know, it, it's it, yeah. Look, they're not going to put up seventy against Buffalo. Now, look, they have a great offense. Just think of the second, the, the middle game last year, the one in Buffalo where it started snowing in the fourth quarter. Wasn't that something like a thirty-five, thirty-two game or something along those lines? Yeah. I mean, it was both teams were in the thirties, correct? Thirty-two twenty-nine was the final. 32-29. I mean, you could easily see a game like that. They're not going to shut the Dolphins out. So, you know, the question is, uh, you know, how do you how do you at least control them? I mean, that game, you know, Tua did not put up huge numbers in that game. They made plays, obviously, but they're better now than they, they were a year ago. Um, the run game, obviously, was a big factor against Denver, and that becomes really important because um, they, they – you know, they added uh, A-Chain, and A-Chain's got explosive speed. Mostert does too, but now they have two guys. So, you know, that's why also, you know, uh, Milano and, and Bernard are so, so important because they, they have to be big factors in the run game because, to me, again, Sean McDermott's a lot smarter than I am and knows more football than I do, guys, clearly. But you really can't play this team by committing safeties to the run game. You know, now can you do that occasionally, depending on situation, down in distance, your understanding of what they might try to do, tendency? Of course you can, but you're not going to play that way. It's not like you're playing the Tennessee Titans and you're trying to stop Derrick Henry, you know, so you have to be really careful about that. So your linebackers have to be able to tackle and, and you know, you can't let the, the Devin A. Chains of the world, you know, get get to the third level of your defense because he can that guy's a track star. Right. Mm-hmm. Flipping it over to the Miami defense, they did give up a ton of yardage and some points yep. to the Broncos. Russell Wilson throws for over 300, and really there wasn't much of that in garbage time. Um, there was a good amount of it through the first half of the game. Vic Fangio is obviously the new coordinator down there, and most of the people we've talked to down there, Greg, are of the opinion that this is no longer an attack, attack, attack defense. It's more of a bend-but-don't-break philosophy. How do you think that could lead to opportunities for Buffalo's offense in this game? 
Yeah, they're much more of a selective pressure team, Brownie. They're they're not what they were prior to Vic Fangio getting there. He's never been a high, high percentage blitz defensive coach. Um, you know, they've got some good pass rushers on the edge in Chubb and Phillips, who both, by the way, as you know from looking at their games, I'm sure, can be deployed as movable chess pieces in their sub fronts. They can both line up outside. They can both line up inside. So they move those guys around. Um there's been a pretty consistent mix of man and zone. They play more split safety than cover three. Um, they do play a lot more man than people might think. Even though they don't pressure with it, they play a lot more man than people might think. Um, you know, with Ramsey not being a factor this year, being out, you know, they, they've essentially, it looks like they've decided that Kohu is, is yeah, pretty outside. much the outside corner with uh, Howard. Um you know, they started the season with Apple. It looks like Kohu was kind of settled in to that role with Bethel being the uh, the slot. This past week, after playing a lot of dime the first two weeks, they did not play one snap of dime this past week. So I don't know how they'll play that. I don't know how they'll match up to the two tight ends. Um, you know, they've used Holland, the two safeties, Holland and Elliott, kind of interchangeably, both be playing in the box. Uh, you know, and playing on the back end. So I don't know how they'll see that in their man coverage schemes. Yeah, but uh, but it's not it, it's not a defense you can't move the ball against. I mean, you can right. move the ball against this defense. And Jalen Phillips is out for this game with the oblique injury. Is that injury. definite? Yes, yeah. he is out with an oblique injury. At least that's what oh, Miami that, Dolphins reporters deal. are reporting. Uh, so Emmanuel, that's a big deal because yeah. Agba will probably yes. play in his spot. And he is nowhere near the the explosive player that Phillips is. Right. Well, if if so, we're three weeks into this season. What will Miami's defense see when they look at Buffalo's offense? Yeah, I mean, and I'm just being honest. I I don't think Buffalo's offense to me. Okay, and and maybe I'm missing something. And maybe if Ken Dorsey was on this call, he'd say I'm wrong. I don't think Buffalo's offense presents a ton tactically like I don't think you you know you really struggle with what they do like I don't think they give you a lot of eye candy although it's interesting the they did give you the the digs uh jet action on the uh Davis touchdown last week where the uh the commanders were rotating from single high to cover two and Forrest who never should have done this rotating to cover two got sucked in by by the jet motion and took a step forward and therefore was just not in position to play the uh the, the corner route or sail route but but you know normally the bills offense is to me much more of an execution offense as as opposed to an offense that gives you a ton of eye candy and even though they're trying to run the ball more as well you know i don't think even in the run game i think they're just trying to line up and run the ball um, you know, I think they still rely heavily on Josh Allen to make big time throws and big time plays working in the run game to try to just take some of the, the load and the pressure off him. But I don't think they give you a lot. Like, I don't think that Vic Fangio is going to feel like this is a really difficult defense tactically to play against. That doesn't mean the Bills can't put up 35. But, I, you know, I, I'm just talking about, the, you know, the approach that they have. Do you think there is an underbelly to this Miami defense that can be exploited more often than not. I'm, I'm looking at, I know they got rid of a land Roberts this off season because they just felt he was way too much of a liability in coverage. Um, they've got Jerome Baker. They move Van Ginkle inside a little bit more now than they used to, who used to be more of an outside guy. Yep. Um, 
Do you feel they're more athletic inside now at the linebacker level from a coverage perspective, or might the Bills still be able to exploit that to some degree? They're definitely more athletic because David Long's a, you know, a much better athlete than Roberts right. as well. Um, so with Long and Baker, who predominantly play on the inside, they do get Van Ginkle in there at times. This past week, Van Ginkle even did line up on the edge a little bit. You may see that with Phillips, yeah, with out. Phillips out. This could be a Van Ginkle edge week, you know, because he does have a little more juice than Agba. So so they're definitely more athletic, Brownie, with Long and Baker. Um, you know, the question is, in their man coverage concepts, who's going to match up to uh, Dalton Kincaid and who's going to match up to Knox. Um, they played a little less 12 personnel as the season's progressed, but they may feel you never know. It becomes specific to an opponent, you know, what the Bills want right. to do. They certainly can play 12 personnel pretty much anytime they want, depending on on how they feel the opponent will match up or or not match up. They may feel really good about it. Um, so we don't know the answer to that till they play the game. Uh, but you know, to me, the main thing will be protection. You know, with Phillips out, um, that's big because Phillips would give Spencer Brown problems. Um, Chubb's still a good pass rusher, but to me, Phillips is just a more explosive athlete. Chubb's a really good pass rusher, but Phillips is more explosive. So, um, you know, I think the Bills pretty much play kind of the way they play, guys. Don't you think so? I mean, they're going to try to get a rhythm passing game going. Yep. They'll take some shots. They'll try to work the run game. You know, they'll count on Josh to make some Josh plays. Um, and that's kind of the way they play. I, you know, I don't think to me watching tape again without knowing all the tweaks, I don't think they do a whole lot different on a week-to-week basis. What do you guys think? Well, that's what we were saying. When you get an offense, and certainly the 70 points catches you, it's one of these offenses we see every once in a while where the other team says, we're going to have to beat them with our offense, holding onto the ball, shortening the game, lessening the possessions, you know, that kind of thing. And the Bills you know, may feel like they can do that with a short passing game, running the football effectively, and just cutting down on the possessions and keeping Tyreek and two on the – you always hear that kind of stereotypical strategy. Yeah, but, man, I, oh, man, that's hard to do, right? It's hard to do. And, you know, you used to hear that, Steve, all the time with Peyton Manning. Yeah. You know, teams would say, well, you want to shorten the game, blah, blah, blah. That's great. But so you cut them from 12 to nine possessions. If they score four touchdowns on the nine possessions, you still have to score 30 points, right. you know. So – and I, I don't know if if – the Bills, you guys are there in the building, so you know whether you talk to people or just hear the chatter, I don't think the Bills think in those terms with Josh Allen as their quarterback. I'm not saying they're not going to try at times to run the ball and maybe depending on how a certain drive is going to try to stretch it out a little bit, but I don't think their overall approach, Brownie, you jump in here too, I don't think their overall approach is going to be to shorten the game and take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. No, no, I don't anticipate that. I could see them using their run game a little bit more, you know, some of that downhill run game out of 12 personnel, um, maybe to even control the clock a little bit. I mean, the Bills have, you know, I believe it's half a dozen scoring drives of nine plays or more in the last two weeks, including two 15-play yeah. drives that were nine minutes or longer. You do that. There's a good chance that the Dolphins have one fewer possession than they usually have in a game, and one fewer possession means they're scoring one less touchdown or field goal. So, and and, and that could be critical depending on how the game flow you know plays out, right? Um, but yeah, but I think that they're also going to take some shots. Um, and and look, like we said, that 32-29 game last year was you know in some ways. Uh, 
it's probably going to be a similar style game, you know, where, and I, I don't know what Josh's numbers are offhand in that game, but I think he played a pretty good game in that game. Yeah, they were down yeah. eight with seven minutes left, and he put the cape on. and That's right, that's right, yes. And he, set up the, the game-winning field goal at the gun. That's right, that's right, yep, yep. So he played out of this world uh, towards the end there because yeah. he had to. I like to think his supporting cast is a little deeper and a little more talented this year, but we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be interesting, Greg. I think it's going to go down to the wire, though. Should be entertaining. Don't miss it live. It's going to be a great one. I'm really looking forward to this one. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. going to be a well, – let's hope it's as fun as we as we all think it is. And, you know, obviously it would be fun if, if the Bills won big, but let's hope we're not disappointed in, you know, in a, in a bad loss. But um, I'm hoping this is – you know, a high-scoring, fun game to watch. Yeah. Thanks, right. as always, Greg. We appreciate it. We'll look thanks, for you Greg. on the ESPN NFL Matchup Show talking about this one more. Thanks much. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That's Greg Cosell, senior producer, NFL Films. And as he said, the final segment of this week's ESPN NFL Matchup Show will feature Bill's Dolphins. Huge segment on the whole thing, so be sure to check that out. From Greg, we do want to get back to the phones, though, because we have people waiting uh, patiently as the OBL Fan Friday mailbag is open. And we go to Rick in Bradford next, down PA way. What do you got for us, Rick? Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, I want to mention a couple. I've been to a lot of Bills Dolphins games. But I want to mention a couple of memorable ones that I was at. In 1980, opening day, they had lost 20 in a row to Miami, the whole 1970s, and they finally beat them, and the fans tore the goalposts down. Now, how many times has that happened in the history of football? What? And then, oh, uh, you mean tearing the goalposts down? Bills yeah, an opening day. Twice. Yeah, Bills fans did it twice in 86, so or 88. So, yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, well, anyway, in 87, I was on vacation, and I was down in Florida and went to the game, and the Bills got behind 21 nothing. And came back and won the game. So yeah, I, I was on that, that team. Game. That was the first game after the strike ended. Yeah, that was the first game ever played in that, a regular season game played in that stadium. Because it was after the strike. Are we yeah. talking Joe Robbins? Uh, yeah, here? no, that's that's not right. That's that's not really. They might have changed the name of the. Is that stadium. the same stadium? And that it was not. Uh, it was in the stadium, but the Bills did play the first ever game at all in that stadium as a preseason game. Yeah. Yeah, but I was saying regular season. Yeah, this that was week eight or nine of the season, so there had been a couple of games in that at that point. But I mean, okay, all right. Well, you corrected me, but anyway, I remember those games. All right, yeah, yeah, sounds good, Rick. Thanks too. for uh, taking us down memory lane there a little bit. Some of the younger fans understand why older fans of the Bills loathe the Dolphins. Uh, we go to yeah. Brian in Spring Springville next. What do you got for us, Brian? Yeah, I was just wondering if we uh, have the personnel to run the wishbone. Uh, I wouldn't expect that at any point <laughs> well, in time. Well, not this week, but I mean at any point in time. Yeah, I wouldn't I expect know. it at uh, any point in time. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, probably they could probably they could, I mean, unfurl a They have bone. three backs. Sure. They could do it if you wanted to. Sure. I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath waiting They have on enough it, people to run a wishbone offense, yes. Okay. And one other thing. Can we put the Taylor Swift thing to bed, please? No, Taylor's oh, here to stay. She's, Sorry. She's too popular, man. She she practically spins the earth on its axis if you ask uh, you know, That's paparazzi not, media. We types. have no power over that. Yeah, we, we, we can't control that thing. That is an unstoppable force. I'm not against it. I don't have a problem. It's fun. Yeah. I'm having fun with it. 
If and any, I don't even, it's not on, you know, it's not a guy on my team. So I, you know, if anything, it's taking a giant segment of the American population and turning them into football fans. The NFL yeah. loves it. They're they're oh, embracing sure. it. Oh my god! Full bore. They're trying to. They're trying to. They I mean, she's going to be at the Chiefs Jets game in New York, dude. New York's about to, you know, fall into the, the ocean. NFL they're going to cut her a check to get, make sure she's there. I mean, Just Travis pay her an appearance fee. Travis, Give her a sideline pass. Travis Kelsey's jersey sales <laughs> went up four hundred percent this week. You got people that don't even know football buying Travis Kelsey football jerseys. There are fans of tra- of Taylor Swift on social media that are learning football. Like they're sh- they're posting videos of themselves learning football, now knowing that Taylor Swift has a boyfriend who plays football. That's how gaga they are. I mean, yeah. you can't stop that. Best of luck to you. And if you want to enlist us, forget it. I'm not signing up. I ain't up. doing it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing it. I, no, I, I think it's fun. I have no problem yeah. with it. Um, it I, I, I'll say this. It, I was kind of tickled because of, because of my own family. Uh, not because they're Swifties or anything like that, because they're Taylor Swift fans, but yeah. because I don't know if Taylor Swift knows whether the football's stuffed or blown up. It, it doesn't matter. And she may not know why those guys are running around the sidelines with the two poles and a chain between them. Who, they, I she may not know anything, but I can re- it really made warmed my heart when somebody she knew was on the field doing something. That's fam. That's like what family does. That's what my mom and dad did. It's what my brothers did. It's what I did for my brothers when they were playing. That's what we do. That's what family does, and that's what your new girlfriend does. She comes out, learns what's going on, and she's into it. It's it's. It's people being people, and I love it. Whether it's Taylor Swift or some jamoke from another country who's like, well, what do they wear helmets for? You know? And I've had all these questions. Um, It's cool to see somebody new be into it like a thousand percent from the word go. From the word go. Whether they know anything or not. It's just awesome to see because it's it's happened to all of us. We've all seen it from one of our friends or our yep. buddies. We had the guy call in yesterday on the relationship hotline. It was hilarious. He his, his wife, wife learned what his a false wife start was. His wife knew nothing when when they started dating. When they and now they're married and stuff. And they're, she she knew nothing. She wasn't a fan. She didn't want. Ah, ah. And then the other night she's watching a game. Penalty. Fault. She goes, oh, it's a false start. What are they doing? And she looked at her hus- now husband like, what have I become? <laughs> That is great. It is great. It's great. So don't knock it. It's a good thing. Famous people, celebrities, these iconic people, they're people too. And to see them be into it, you know, for somebody in their life is is absolutely priceless. Yeah. Break time for us here. Get to more of your phone calls when we come back as the OBL Fan Friday mailbag remains open. Got some other things to get to as well with a half hour to go in the show like Collision Course and Tailgate Friday. Got to find out what's on those menus for the tailgates on Sunday. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gents, it's time for Collision Course, brought to you by Gabe's Collision. Gabe's Collision is the official collision repair center of the Buffalo Bills. Get back in the game. And uh, to get back to the game, our Collision Course, Steve, deals with what our producer Jay Harris is affectionately dubbed the McMatchup. 
It's the matchup between Sean McDermott's defense and Mike McDaniel's offense. I like it. Head coach versus head coach. Is it it is an intriguing extra layer to this game as the two head coaches will quite literally be going head to head for half of this football game. It's tantalizing, Steve. Yes, it really is. Uh, it's you don't always see it. I mean, I never really – it was a great catch by you when you started talking about it earlier in the week. It's like, hey, you know what? Think about that. And um, Mike McDaniel is um, – let's face it. When when he hired him, we were all thinking, they're hiring him. That guy is a head coach of an NFL football team, right? Not He's not a player type. He's totally from the a coach from the start to the finish of his career. He's an academic. Right? He's an academic. And – we're all like, eh, I don't know, that's gonna work, you know. What are they doing? Been a successful but you know what? coordinator though. The guy is the guy's on it. And the team rallies around him. He's he leads the way he's himself, you know. Um you can tell too from this end of it, he's got a great sense of humor, doesn't take himself too seriously. Uh and man oh man, they've got greased lightning for an offense. It's going to be fun to watch. And, of course, Sean McDermott, same thing. Uh, people are like, who, who is he? When he got hired, he's like, well, I don't know him, you know? And, of course, now uh, everybody knows him. Well, and I think his, he's got proven chops as a defensive play caller. I think that much is known. His Carolina defenses were routinely in the top five in, in splash plays, sacks and takeaways. And I think he felt – that even though his defense under Leslie Frazier was successful in terms of yards allowed, points allowed, red zone defense, the one area where they were coming up short were the splash plays that could often change the momentum and tenor of a football game. And maybe there was a part of that where he said, I can do better Mm -hmm. with me calling it. And as long as I can strike a balance between making the head coaching decisions necessary on game day and calling the defense, I'm going to do it. And here we are. And where are we after three games? The Bills are tied for second in the league in sacks. They lead the NFL in interceptions and total takeaways after just three games. So, yeah, you could talk all you want about the juggernaut offense of the Dolphins, and they're good. I'm not I'm not challenging that for a second, but the guy on the other sideline, I think he's going to have a few answers on Sunday. Maybe not all the answers, yeah. but I think he's going to win some of those snaps. I'm just saying. And I'm, I mean, it's easy to say. It's not even going on a limb saying, listen, you're not going to score 70 on this defense. Well, nobody's scoring 70 points again for another 50 years, right? So You would think. Right. Um, but this is going to be – I think this is going to be a game like the one we saw last uh, January week fourteen or whenever it was December, when the Dolphins come in and it's twenty twenty nine to twenty nine, going late in the game, and uh, Josh Allen's got to do something or Tua Tonga Vailoa's got to do something, you know, um, and it ends up with Buffalo going down and scoring a touchdown twenty twenty nine thirty two. That's yeah. what kind of game this is going to be. Uh, We're happy to let you know that after Friday's practice, we were able to get a hold of one Taylor Rapp. With Jordan Poyer out, he is expected to be the replacement in Buffalo's starting lineup on defense. Here is Taylor Rapp after today's practice commenting on his potential ascension into the starting lineup. 
With Jordan's injury this week, obviously, he puts you in line to start. Just what's this week been like, kind of knowing he's dealing with that, and mm-hmm. what's your preparation been like? Yeah, I mean, I think every week for me, um, it's been the same. You know, no matter if I'm starting or, you know, in the backup role or playing special teams or, you know, not playing at all, I think I, the, the biggest important thing for me is treating every, everything like the same every week, every day, every practice, every game just like the same. So my preparation has been the same. You've had some experience against Mike McDaniel offenses with the mm-hmm. NFC Same West, friend. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. How does, like, what does he do that makes it so wild to prepare for? Yeah, I think uh, one unique thing about um, their offense is, you know, they try to snug everything down, a lot of condensed formations, um, you know, try to pack everyone in the box and stuff. And obviously they have, you know, vertical deep shots with their explosive players. Um, and so, you know, I think... You know, obviously we're, we're very aware of, uh, you know, what they do. And, um, you know, I think the coaches put a, a, a great game plan together uh, for this week. So looking forward to the opportunity. How what do you feel do you your think? communication is, especially with Micah being a newer guy and, and understanding that's probably going to be one of the, the bigger, most critical things this uh, Sunday? Uh, yeah, you know, obviously always communication is always, um, you know, a, a big, uh, important piece. Uh, especially in the back end, you know, getting getting the back seven all on the same page. So, you know, just, every, you know, just dating back to the OTAs since I got here, just, you know, getting to know everyone, the linebackers, the back seven, you know, all spending time together, you know, DBs, linebackers, you know, our position groups all go out to, you know, dinner every single week, every, every single uh, once once a week. So we went last night. So just, you know, you know, let's tight uh, bonds, tight relationships, you know, getting, getting on the same page, watching film together, all that, you know, it's, going to pay dividends for sure the personnel is obviously very different from San Fran to Miami but what do you like is there a lot you can take from those previous games as you get ready for this Miami offense uh yeah 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 for sure schematically um you know but you know every offense every every coach you know has their own wrinkles and stuff like that so um you know just kind of treating each each week new uh and each opponent uh you know differently and um you know seeing you know, all the new wrinkles and stuff like that, they, they add in. All right, so that's uh, Taylor Rapp basically giving you the nuts and bolts of what he could be looking at this week with Jordan Poyer out of the lineup. And I think it is an advantage that he has seen this kind of offensive scheme before from all his years playing in the NFC West against San Francisco. Right. That's the Mike Mc, That's the coaching tree that Mike McDaniel comes yeah. from, Kyle Shanahan. So I think the formations will be very familiar to him. The only thing that's new for him is the personnel because he hasn't right. played the Miami. Con- the concepts will still will be familiar with him, and, he, and as they watch film and they get to talking about it, he'll be able to relate some of what he can remember about playing against it with the Rams and what they did and why they did it, um, and it'll help him. But, yeah, this, this and these jokers in Miami are different. Time to get to Tailgate Friday, presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, the official health care plan. Of the Buffalo Bills. Let's see what you got cooking on the grills this Sunday. Jerry says, homemade fish fries, chicken fingers, and french fries. Okay, going for the full artery-clogging meal there. Um, (laughs) Throwing caution to the wind. Everything fried on the menu. What is this, the 70s? Fry the fish, man. Fish fries are good, though. It's so good. And the kids are probably devouring the chicken fingers. Bill says, I'm thinking a meatball sub. Keep it simple, buddy. Love it. Jack, who is our weekly contributor and often has something different on the menu every week, says, mm-hmm. in the lot this week, as we look to squish the fish, my cousin and I will be grilling up some spicy citrus shrimp tacos with his homemade slaw 
Also, double cheesy beef burritos. Oh, that's up Steve's alley. With homegrown habanero cream sauce. And you bet your bippy I'll be making my guacamole. Adding cocoa crispy squares. Go Bills. Steve, <laughs> Jack is. you may uh, need to find like, him for the burrito. I th- you are I, a big like, burrito guy. I got to bookmark all Jack's tweets. They're so, they sound so delicious. Bill's Helmet Bar up in Canada. They're going to be rocking Cuban sandwiches to rep Miami and Buffalo-style chicken legs to support the home team. Elizabeth says Sunday's tailgate is an immigrant sandwich, a Cuban-style buffalo sandwich. Mojo pork, black forest ham, cheese, pickles, fennel kraut, daikon kimchi, mustard served in a Kimmelweck roll, celery, cucumber, and carrot sticks served up with blue cheese dip. My goodness, that's a mouthful. There's like... Four things in there that I don't know what they mean. I'm just going to tell you, I the Cuban <laughs> the Cuban is my second favorite sandwich. Yeah, right. Only to the Reuben. And the Cuban. So I go Reuben sandwiches. Cuban. That's one two for me yeah. on the grilled sandwich side of the ledger. Yeah. Cubans are uh, Cuban sandwiches are really good sandwiches. I will agree with you. John says he's cooking up smoking bacon jalapeno wrapped duck breast, seasoned with Texas barbecue sugar. Smoked armadillo eggs? Is that a thing? Armadillo. Uh, I'm, our producer yeah, is vouching. Jay says he's vouching armadillo for it. Armadillo is a, they're a reptile. Uh, so yeah. are they a reptile? I'm thinking it's just so, because they say they're armadillo eggs is not what they are. Yeah, they don't lay eggs, right? I don't know. Maybe they do. What do I know? Um, Maybe smoked like armadillo eggs and enough queso to feed the 53-man roster. Wow. wow. Just dripping queso everywhere. <laughs> and okay. listen, you can't go wrong with queso. Uh, and then Ann says, we're bringing the grill with us, and we're making helicopters, which most people in western New York know, but in case some don't, they're thick fried bologna sandwiches with lots of butter and fried onions. Oh, my God, my blood pressure is going up just reading that. My question for you guys is, shorts or pants on Sunday? It's shorts. It's shorts. It's shorts with a hoodie. They're saying yeah. it might hit Take 80 a, by the shorts. second quarter. It It's shorts, but then... It, well, it's a one o'clock game, so you'll be out of it. No, shorts is fine. I was going to say if it was later in the day, you might want a hoodie after the game. But yeah, shorts is, is the call. Okay. Shorts is the call. Yeah, I mean, they're saying it might be 80 degrees by the second Sun, quarter. Sun's out, guns out. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do have to check. What are we being told? Okay, so armadillo eggs are sausage in a jalapeno wrapped in bacon smoked on a smoker. Wow. That is aggressive. I told you it wasn't an egg, but yes. Sausage in a jalapeno wrapped in bacon smoked on a smoker. Man alive. Yummy, yummy. Give me (laughs) some. That is fantabulous. Uh, We have to take a break, but we'll get to a couple of calls. People that are waiting there. John in Rochester, Jason in Rhode Island. We'll try to squeeze you in when we get back here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, Vision to Victory time presented by Atwal Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Bills. For me, Steve, it is red zone defense. Bills second in the league in red zone defense. Miami second in the league in red zone offense. I think if they can bleed them down there to that tighter area of the field and then win there and force field goals, they win the game. 
Yeah, you've got to be you've got to be efficient offensively. Mm-hmm. Score touchdowns. Don't settle for field goals and score on on a lot of your possessions. At least something. You got to move the football. And as always, you can't turn it over to these guys. You can't give them short fields. You can't do any of that stuff. And I think it's going to take uh, because of the explosive nature of their offense. I think the Bills are going to have to hit on a lot more cylinders to win this game than the Dolphins are going to be forced to because of their explosiveness. Yeah. I think they can score quickly, and that always gives you a larger margin of error. That's Vision of Victory, presented by Atwall Eye Care. Let's uh, squeeze in John in Rochester here. What do you got, John? Hey, Steve and Chris. How you doing? Good. You bet. Good. <laughs> all right. First of all, I want to say, Steve, you should be the pitcher of a football player in the dictionary. And, Chris, you are doing a fantastic job on the play-by-play. Thank you. I oh, appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um. So I watched the whole game. Uh, you know, I tried not to eat so I wouldn't get sick. I watched the whole Dolphins game, uh, and I watched it again on the highlights. And I want to say something I think people might be missing is, uh, first of all, they, they didn't pressure Tua a lot, and uh, it was obvious he was trying not to get hit. Well, good luck against the uh, Bills. But second of all, um, they had a lot of turnovers, like deep in their in their own ter- – in. Um, in the in their own territory, like the the defensive guys would be popping the ball out from behind. So there was there were some other things going on like that. But the number one thing I want to talk about is the wilting heat. Okay, quickly, last quickly, we played, <laughs> we played them last week uh, or last year, and that wilting heat was unbelievable. I've never seen a game like it. They have five of the next eight games, including last week, with that same heat. Yeah, Home. I get what you're saying, John. Unfortunately, we're a little out of time here. You took a little too long to get to your point. Well, we took a long Appreciate time to get the to kind him. words, thanks for, thanks but we're out of time. Um, yeah, and the weather's going to be great here, so it's more like Miami than Buffalo. Enjoy the game. We'll see you on Monday at noon. <laughs>